Hey everyone, Pamela Sampson here. And Ashley Newell. This is the Forever Goal Podcast, where we strive to live a sustainable life, one step at a time. Um, hey Lindsay, how's it going? Good. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing awesome. Doing Super good. glad you could join us today. Yes, I'm so thankful to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Lindsay, we're super excited to hear your story, um, but we need to get to know the real Lindsay. So we're going to start <laughs> off with a funny question. Okay. So we've got this list and you can only pick three things on the list and the rest have to go away. So I'm going to name the list and then you tell us your three most important things to keep. Okay. So we've got coffee, wine, books, dogs stretchy pants and chocolate go well that's easy for me books chocolate and coffee Coffee. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Chocolate and coffee I'm not a big wino so I'd be fine without my without wine but um books I'm I'm always in a book. Uh, my kids watch a movie and I'm reading a book right next to them. So always in a book. I can't start my morning without my coffee. And I choose chocolate over just about anything. So just about, love yeah. it. what about you, yeah. Ashley? What are your, what are your three? I think I would definitely have the coffee Yeah. Um, and dogs because I like animals a lot. And I might have to go stretchy pants, but it just depends on how my jeans are fitting. It depends on the day and how much tacos you had on Taco Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Pam? Do you have a, a favorite? I'm, I'm with Lindsay. Like the book. I'm the same way. I always have a book when there's TV on, um, you know, sports or whatever. I, can, I feel like I could do both with that. Um, and then, yeah, coffee. Coffee. Got to have the coffee. coffee. Chocolate's yeah. just life. Yeah. I have chocolate literally every single day. Like that's my rule because it yeah. it's my sanity rule. Like yeah. Pam, like you're feeling crazy. Have you had your chocolate today? Oh mm-hmm. no, okay. <laughs> Stuff your face. Yeah, see, I think I could give up the chocolate for the for the dog companionship. <laughs> wow, okay. For the dogs. Lucky well, dogs. It never actually presents itself or we have to follow through with this. Yes. Because we might change our minds. <laughs> depends on the day, man, but all right. Yeah. So Lindsay, you and I got to meet, um, in Montana when you lived in Bozeman. I did. Um, and I just thought it was really cool. All the different times we ran into each other and just thought, Hey, we are probably people that are supposed to hang out. And we did kind of get thrown together in a couple situations. Um, but now you're living in Colorado. So yeah. some changes moving around for you. And I, Um, I just think your story is so amazing and um, so valuable to just share with our listeners. And so we just wanted to see if we could get to know Lindsay and hear your story. Yeah, of course. Um, I just want to thank you girls for having me. This is my first opportunity to share my story like on a bigger, I don't know, platform, I guess. I've, I've shared my story a lot individually with people, but never something like this. So thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of prayed about where to start and what to talk about. And so hopefully I'm just, I just pray that God will speak through me, um, but I'm really happy to share my story and, um, and hopefully can reach a couple of people that I wouldn't be able to otherwise. But um, yeah, when I met you um, in Montana, we had moved to Montana in um, 
I think it was April of 2016, my husband had gotten um, a job offer that was pretty phenomenal and a really awesome opportunity for his career. So we were pretty excited to move to Bozeman, especially after um, visiting because it was by far the most beautiful place I'd probably ever been. Um, but um, although our life from the outside looked perfect, we had a gorgeous home in a gorgeous community. And my husband had a job where he made more than enough money to support our family. Um, we were pretty much drowning on a daily basis. Um, my husband had been struggling with alcoholism, I would say probably his entire life. Um, but what I knew um, of a serious, serious addiction started about five years previously. Um, and we had moved to Montana with kind of the kind of the ruse that if we had a new change of scenery and he had a job that he loved, that magically everything would get better, right? Like his PTSD would would magically be fixed and he would no longer have depression or anxiety and we would, he would stop drinking and our marriage would be better. It was like, if you could just move, things would be per perfect. Yeah. Like that's, that's the problem. Right. Um, and of course um, he moves me two States away to a whole new place where I didn't know a single soul. And the night before um, he was supposed to start his job, he got blackout drunk and um that was kind of the beginning of the end for us. Um, it was, I re distinctly remember it was the evening that I looked at my husband and I fell out of love for him. I had, I had tried so hard for the last five years to keep our marriage together and our family together. And I had moved around. I mean, we had moved houses and jobs and we had had to quit churches and, you know, it was like our whole life had been revolved around his, um, his disease, his um, post-traumatic stress was basically took over our lives. And then we combined that with alcohol. And it was like our whole lives revolved around this major secret, basically, that nobody could know about. Um, and I remember looking at him and saying, I've, I've literally, I've officially had enough. <laughs> like I can't do this anymore. I've, I've literally changed my entire life. Um, so it was kind of the beginning of the end for us. There is a lot of, um, you know, I tried really hard to put on a happy face um, and that, you know, my life was beautiful and perfect. And I had this great life um, when, when really every day, all day I was drowning. I barely like staying afloat. Um, so that summer, I had moved back to Colorado for six weeks to help my sister plan her wedding. But really, I had left um, in hopes that he would get his life together and he would figure out that his life was more important than alcohol. Um, and he had started going to counseling. And um, the, the cool thing about moving to Montana was that the ability to see a VA specialist was much more um, available. There's just less okay. people in Montana. And a lot less military people in Montana. So the availability of talking to a psychiatrist there was so much um, easier for him. Um, and he, there was just more availability um, in Colorado. Um, and this should be brought to light because it's just outrageous. But in Colorado, there could be up to like two months wait to even see a counselor. So if you're if you're wow. drowning and you cannot see the light of day with your disease, it's like you could wait two months before you even get to talk to somebody. 
branch of service was your husband in? He was in the army. So although we had to go all the way to Helena, um, I think it was, to go to the VA hospital, because that's where the closest one was, you could literally just walk in, which is like unheard of in Colorado. That would never happen. Yeah, that would never happen. So um, he was actually able to see somebody and talk to somebody on a much more regular basis in Montana than he was in Colorado, just because the availability and the lack of you know, just amount of military presence is just not as high in Montana as it was um, in Colorado. But anyways, um, yeah, it was it was kind of the beginning of the end Montana was for us. And, and I, I moved back um, after that six weeks. We um, I decided I told him that if he'd done the hard work and he had gone to his counselor and gone to a psychiatrist that the kids and I would move back. And we did. After my sister got married, we moved back to Montana. Um, and it wasn't long um, before, it was just a couple of weeks um, after I moved back in that we had another episode um, where he had, where he would, it was a Sunday, then he got blackout drunk again. And um, <clears throat> this time it led to, you know, a police, a police call. He was, um, he was threatening me and my kids um, and he had a gun and um, I called the police and um, they arrested him for, um, I can't really remember what they call it. I'm not real familiar with police drug and thankfully, um, but he was basically, it was a really small offense. It was just a risk um, resisting arrest is what it was. And so he was arrested and taken. And, um, I remember the police officer, um, she looked at me and she said, ma'am, don't you have kids? I said, I do. They're upstairs asleep. And she goes, there is no way that your kids are still asleep through all of that because it was a pretty intense arrest that they had to tackle him. Cause he wouldn't, he wouldn't, um, he wouldn't go easily. He was not going. Um, and so they had to tackle him. And so like, they broke the door in my entryway and all of my, I was really into, big into antiques. And so like my antiques were thrown everywhere. So it was a quite a loud experience. And I walked upstairs and I turned the corner and my little, I don't know if you remember my stairs, but there was this little landing and my sweet little Tinsley was asleep on the landing of the stairs. Oh, so I know fast asleep. And so I pick my little two-year-old up and I tuck her back into bed. And then I walk into my son's room and he's fast asleep and I just prayed over both of them, knowing that God had protected their little hearts from that and that they didn't, they didn't witness or hear any of it. They had slept through all yeah. of it. And the, like, the police officer couldn't even believe it. She was like, that's just impossible. And I was like, well, God's protecting my babies. Like they didn't need to see or hear that. So I went back down and she looked me in the eye and she told me, she said, I don't think that you understand how sick your husband is. Like his disease is winning right now. And he is so sick. She's like, you will, you've got to leave or your, you and your kids will be, um, the next faces on people magazine. He's going, she mm. said, she's going to kill you and your children. And then he's going to kill himself. So you either leave or you're leaving. This is from a stranger. This is a stranger. She was, I, she saved my life. And I, I wish I knew her name. I've, there's been times where I've wanted to call the Belgrade police and say, who was that woman and send her a thank you card because, she saved me in my kid's life. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for that woman who told me to leave. And so I called my dad and two days later, my kids and I were out of the house um, and we moved back to Colorado. And um, there was a lot, 
um, that happened after that. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of, you know, him meeting with his counselor and me talking with his counselor and ultimately the decision being that he was going to need, um, six months to a year of inpatient, um, rehab. He was, he was, I don't think any of us knew just how bad it, it, it was to the point where he was drinking a handle of vodka a day. Um, to deal with everything. And I don't think we all knew um, just how intense the drinking and drinking was. Um, so um, basically the, the, the end, unfortunately for my, for my husband was not what I had hoped. I had hoped that he would say yes. I hoped that he would agree to treatment and that um, he would go. Um, but unfortunately five days after my kids and I got back to Colorado, um, I got a really the worst call I've ever had in my life um, that he had decided to take his own life. Um, it was October 25th, 2016, really early in the morning. I got the phone call and um, I remember it was just like those movies that we see where the women fall to the ground. Um, and I remember watching movies like that and always being like, that's so dramatic, but it's literally what happens. Like my, my knees gave way and I just fell to the floor in like complete panic and complete like disbelief that, that, that it happened. Um, and, and thankful that my kids and I weren't there. Um, and thankful that the cop had given me that, had told me what was going to happen. I mean, she knew and she told me and she had the guts to tell me she could have, she could have said nothing. Um, and my story would have been completely different. Um, but she did. And, um, that kind of was, that's, that was the beginning of me and my kids, I guess, new journey in life and our, um, it's not necessarily what I would have chosen. Um, but, and make no mistake that God, does not believe in sin or death or that he wanted my husband to die. I know that. Um, but I do know that he has used this sin and the death of my husband and he's redeemed it and he's using it for our good and his glory. And every day I remind myself of that, um, that, that, that it was given to us for a reason and we're, we're using it now, um, in hopes, um, that we can bring, um, bring God a little bit of glory along the way. So, um, it was, it was pretty tough. It was definitely the worst day of my life. Um, and the, the couple of months that came after, uh, were just as brutal and just as difficult. Um, the, the day that I remember the most aside from that day was, um, Christmas day, two months to the day after my husband had passed, um, it's always been my favorite day of the year, Christmas. Um, my parents had always made Christmas a big deal as a kid. And I wanted to make it a big deal for my kids. And I remember thinking like, Lindsay, you have faked your life for the last five years. Like you are an excellent faker. You can do this today. You can fake today. Yeah. You can fake today. Like you can make this day a really good day for your kids. And so, um, I did, we did the presents and the, all of it, you know, it was a great day. And, um, halfway through the day, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I, I cannot do this. And so I went to my bathroom, we were living with my parents and I went to their bathroom and I laid flat down on the tile floor, the cold, cold tile floor, because I needed to feel something. I had to feel 
something. I hadn't felt anything for five years and I really hadn't felt anything for the last two months. I was drowning myself in too much alcohol and random men's arms. And I just, I needed to feel something. And so I laid down in the cold, cold tile floor and I felt something for the first time in like five years. And I felt the coldness and I felt the pain and I just like let it all come out. And I, I remember feeling arms wrapped around me and it was like, there was nobody in there with me. It was just me. And I, I remember hearing like God and sitting me against the wall and just holding me and telling me that I wasn't a mistake. My kids were not a mistake. This wasn't a mistake that this wasn't how I had it planned, but that if I would just trust God and I would give him me and I would give him my life and I would give him my kids that he would do something with this, that together we would do something big with this, that we were bigger than suicide and that my kids were going to do something amazing with their life. And so could I, um, and that I had two choices. I could either continue drinking and I could continue getting in bed with random strangers and I could continue doing my life that way. And I could maybe, you know, pick up another, you know, bad habit or two. And that that would be really, it would be a hard life. Or I could look myself in the mirror for the first time in probably five years. I could look myself in the mirror and I could tell myself that I could do this and that I could be the best damn single mom on the planet. And that I could raise two incredible kids and that we could make this story for our good and for his glory. And that both options were going to be really hard, but those were my two options. And I could choose one of two hearts, which heart did I want? And so I literally got up off the floor. I dried my tears. I looked myself in the mirror and I said, with your help, God, I can do anything. And so I decided right then and there on Christmas day, two months after my husband died, that I was done feeling sorry for myself. I was done playing the woe is me and I was done playing the victim and that I was just going to own this and that I was going to, I was going to make a lot of mistakes along the way, but that I was going to, I was going to be the best damn single mom I could be. And that I was going to be an advocate for other women. And that, um, I had my whole life, I had always been gravitated towards women and wanting to help women and being, uh, around women, I've just always gravitated towards that. And I thought maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe this is going to be my, this is going to be my space in life where I'm going to be able to reach other women and motivate other women and be a genuine part of other women's lives. So, and really I haven't looked back. So <laughs> I've just gone full force with it. And I've just, there's been little, um, little reminders along the way. Um, I've two months before um, Chris had passed, um, I'd started seeing a trauma counselor and um, she had charged me with the idea of writing. And I was kind of like, okay, I mean, I'm not a writer. I've never been a writer. Um, like I could barely passed English my entire life. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'll start writing, whatever. But she just thought it would be a good way for me to feel. And I'm so thankful for her giving me that outlet because Anytime I felt alone or scared or happy, any emotion I ever had, I put it down on my computer. Like I would open my computer and I would just like word vomit all over. And um, I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And um, I, 
it kind of was my release and my way of expressing myself when I couldn't really express myself in any other way. And when I was having a down day, it was like my computer could take the brunt of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and slowly, you know, about six months after Chris um, passed, God was giving me little like nudges, like, I want you to write a book. Like, I want you to tell people your story. I want you to share with everybody what you've been through. And I kept telling him, no, like, there's no way I'm going to do that. Like, I can share on social media occasionally what's going on in my life. I can share a funny antidote here or a funny story. But like, I am not telling the world like all of my ugly. I'm not doing it. Like, I can't. I, I, I'm not ready. I cannot put that out there. Like, I can't do it. And he kept telling me, like nudging me every, every couple weeks, just giving me like a little something. Um, and then one day a girlfriend whom I um, hadn't spoken to since high school. And I mean, she wasn't even really a friend in high school. I'd say more of an acquaintance, but we were Facebook friends. She messaged me and said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, like, I love your Facebook posts. You always make me laugh. She's like, you make me feel like my, like it's okay to not have everything together. She's like, you're so good with words. Have you ever considered writing a book? Yeah. So I literally was like, I text her back or I messaged her back. And I was like, literally yesterday I was wrestling with God about this, like just yesterday. So I told her, thank you for telling me and thanks for, you know, listening to the Holy spirit and just saying it, you know, because I needed it. So she kind of is what got me off the fence and kind of made me realize like, all right, well, if I write this book, at least I'll have one person that would read it. Right. <laughs> like, one person would be like, I like your book. So, um, so I kind of got on this journey of, of mulling the idea around, um, and thinking about it and researching it a little bit and, um, getting started on it at least. Um, and the process kind of got started. So, and along the way, there's been even, you know, little things like that, um, that have kind of solidified to me that I need to share my story, that this story is bigger than me, um, and bigger than my kids. And that there's, we don't talk about suicide. We don't talk about PTSD. We don't talk about ugly things in life because we might offend somebody or it might hurt somebody or it's embarrassing or it's ugly or, you know, whatever, whatever the reason is, we don't talk about it because the devil wants us to live in shame. And if he can shame us enough to keep quiet, then we don't, we won't say anything. And I've, I've, yeah, then, then it'll keep going and the stigma will still be there and mental illness will be this thing that nobody talks about. And I'm just not going to abide by that rule anymore. Like suicide is real and mental illness is real and it is killing our families and it is taking dads and moms away from their children and it's taking sons and daughters away from their families and it's happening every day all around us. More young people die of suicide than car crashes. People people are dying right and left because they're not getting the help that they need. And I, I just thought if, if I can be one person that might help one, one family, one woman, one man make a difference in their life, then it will have all have been worth it. Right. Um, So that's kind of just one little instance of somebody that kind of reached out to me and, and, and solidified that what, that I needed to share my story and I needed to, to, um, I guess hope that, and I pray every day that whoever needs, whoever needs to hear it, will hear it. And whoever doesn't need to hear it won't 
and that'll get into all the right hands at all the right moments in their life. Just like that cop. I mean, I, I, I called the cops for a reason and I called the cops and I got that particular cop on that particular night for a particular reason. And she saved my life. So I hope that at some point in somebody's life, they'll hear what they need to hear when they need to hear it. Um, You're definitely claiming that today. And we're, we're sending that energy (laughs) out um, along with yours, because I think that's so important. And, you know, for one, I just want to thank you um, for sharing that. Um, That's the first time I've ever heard that full story. And it's just so, so many people actually came to my mind. Um, You with, with how you would um, express your husband, you know, just suffering and in silence, you know, um, and uh, just in pain. And so that's, that's what I felt when, you know, you described and um, I just, I just thank you so much for just sharing that uh, first off, but I have two things I want to ask you, or I guess one question and then kind of maybe a comment, I guess um, that brought to my, my mind and something I, I always want to talk about because it's, it kind of, it frustrates me with our um, with social media and just how we, where we're at socially um, with this whole thing yeah. of self care. And what mm-hmm. that looks like, you know, um, a lot of people think spa days or, you know, uh, I think I was just talking to yeah. Ashley the other day. I'm like, I need self-care. I need like self-tanner because I'm, <laughs> I'm white as hell and I just need something. But truly it's like turning our, you know, turning our, our selves on to, you know, our relationship with Christ and um, the self-care comes that way. I think that we don't slow down enough to listen and um, mm-hmm. we don't. I think a lot of people just don't sit down long enough to listen to the Holy spirit and what they're, what he's trying to tell us to do. Um, and in, in, in your example was sitting you had that, uh, counselor that suggested that you would write. And I think that's a great self-care move. Absolutely. Uh, prayer is a self-care move, you know, all these just different things just opening up. I think that's such a solid example of what I think really self-care should be about is just being open and, um, that's a hard thing to do. So, I mean, I just, I felt that through your story as well, that, you know, you just, sometimes we get to that place of just fighting, 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 and then we just have to lay on the bathroom floor and feel it and be open enough to, to hear that. So I think that's pretty radical. Um, I don't know. That's just a comment I wanted to make. And then now I'm forgetting my, my second thing. Dang it. (laughs) I just went off on a tangent and then, but yeah, the self-care, I just had to get that out, but I just thank you for, yeah. oh, and then, so a question. So the, I know a lot of people that will be listening to this podcast doesn't really necessarily have a relationship with Christ and they don't know what that is and they don't know what that voice is or that feeling or, you know, just that warmth that, that we all, sure. and, it, and with everybody, it's different. You know, I love hearing people's stories and how the Holy Spirit speaks to them. And sometimes it's, you know, that voice, that audible voice, which I've had in my life and, you know, it scared the crap out of me. Um, I thought I was actually going insane and then, or just that, like, you know, I said the warmth and, but can you explain that maybe how you, how you receive that or how that has changed maybe yeah. even because things are heightened in your spirituality now going, going through such a trauma, sure. like, can you maybe even yeah. show the evolution of that? Yeah. I mean, I think I've had a relationship with Christ since fifth grade. I mean, I asked God into my life in fifth grade. There's been a lot of ins and outs throughout that time frame, right? Like as I've, as I've progressed in my 
in my faith and made it me and made it my own. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, after, after Chris died, I think there was that, there was, I, I turned away. I, I didn't, I was so angry and I thought, God, I have done everything right in my life. Like I have done all of the right things. I didn't, I, I didn't make any bad choices in my life. Like I was that quintessential, like firstborn. And I, I did all the right things and I went to college and I got a degree. And then I, then I got married to like the first guy, you know, and then I had babies and I did like, it was like, I didn't, I just felt like, why, why am I going through this? And I was so angry at God. And I was so frustrated that he would give me something so stupid. Like, I just felt like it was so stupid if I would be completely blunt. Like I was so mad at him and I was just, couldn't, I couldn't understand why he would do this. And like, why, why did you let me pick this guy? Like, why you had control all along God. Like you could have never, ever had me even meet him. Right. Like I didn't have to meet him. Um, and so I think it was, and so what I did for me is I did everything I knew that I wasn't supposed to do. So I started drinking because I wasn't sleeping anyways. And I was living at my parents' house. So it was like, I could go out anytime, all the time. So I would go out and get, go get drunk and, or, and then I would meet random men and I would get in bed with them and I would feel something for like the first time in five years. And then I would go home and I'd feel so depleted and so disgusting and so bad about myself, right? Like the opposite of what I was trying to accomplish is what it, was happening. And so I think God needed, I had to be on the floor in the depths of despair to be able to hear God. Like I could, I wasn't going to hear him any other way because he, I was so mad at him and like I was in the worst place of my life. And so it was like, I kind of had to literally be at rock bottom. Like I, I couldn't be any lower than I was at that moment in my life, like by far. And so I think I needed I needed to be so broken down to be built back up um, because of where I was at and what I had been through. Um, and I needed, um, I needed that loving embrace. And it, it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't like, boom, you know, Jesus is talking to me. And I'm like, you know, the house is rattling. It was just this warmth and this love. And it was this genuine, like, um, Lindsay, you are so not a screw up. Like, you are not a screw up. Like you are screwing up right now. But I remember him telling me like, get up girlfriend, get up and sin no more. I have taken your sin. I've wiped it clean. Don't feel guilty another day. And I literally didn't. I didn't feel guilty another day. I didn't feel, I did not feel bad about what I had done. I, he literally took the sin and he said, forget about it. It's done. You've done it. I'm washing it away and get up kill the mom game, like kill it, go and do it. And I, like, I just, he, he literally wiped it clean. It can happen that fast. And it can, you can, you can, you can, you can turn a whole new leaf in a matter of moments. And, and I did, and I didn't look back and I can tell you that boozing and sleeping with random men does not feel good. Like living this life feels it, it, there's nothing like the liberation of knowing that I am living my life the way that God had intended and I'm independent and happy and healthy and my kids are doing great and we're, we're living our life 
in, in intentionality. I wake up every morning and we live in intentionality every single day. And there's, there's nothing like it. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And just seeing, I mean, I know that social media is an avenue um, to put all of the pretty things in your life. Um, yeah. But you are pretty real on your social media, which is really awesome. Yeah. I know that that's probably hard at times, but it, I mean, you had these, just like you said, you want to reach out to women and you had a woman come to your house in one of the hardest times of a wife can imagine. And she saved you. You had another woman say, you need to write words, even though you thought that was crazy. And that helped you start this whole new venture that I want to talk about more with your book. Um, but just thinking about like some of the stuff you, you post on like your Instagram or Facebook um, regarding your kids. I think that those are some of my favorite stories um, that I read of you because first off, I mean, you speak so well of Chris to your kids, which I think is really cool because a lot of people wouldn't be that strong and stable to be able to do that. Um, and I think that that's really amazing. And then just hearing like the stories, I swear your son. So how old is he now? He's seven. seven. And then he's like 87 though. <laughs> he, <laughs> he really is. He's an old he's soul. So he's, he really is. Yeah. And his vocabulary, it's incredible. Yeah. He's, he, I'm raising, yeah, I'm raising an old soul for sure. He is, he teaches me more every single day. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought, I, I thought about the women that I gravitated towards and I thought the people that I want to be around are real and raw and honest and they, they're truthful without being woe is me, right? Like there's that fine line of like, here's the real and raw and ugly of my life. <laughs> um, I, I I have had plenty of people tell me, you know, like, thank you for being so real because it makes me feel more like it makes me feel less alone yeah. or it makes me feel less crazy or it makes me feel like I'm not totally failing as a mom. Like you're, we're all in this together. And that's my whole thing is like, we're all in this together. We need each other and we have to, I can think of so many instances. I mean, just a couple, like a month ago, a woman reached out to me and said, I just want to let you know how inspirational you've been to me the last couple of years. She's like watching you, you know, go through what you've gone through and really come out the other end. She's like, it was, it, I wanted to let you know that I've finally had the courage to leave my abusive husband and watching you, you know, do this on your own. The last couple of years has been really inspiring to me and to even play a small smidgen role in helping her realize that she can do it and that she can leave in an abusive relationship. I mean, that's what it's all about, you know, is like knowing that I ha even had a small smidgen to help her realize that it's like, that's why I post or, or that's why I, I try to be as real and raw and honest is because we as women, we need each other, plain and simple. We need each other. And if, if we can't, if we can't get real and raw and like I say all the time, if I can't get to the soul of a person, like immediately, if we don't, if we're not like soul sisters, the second, like after, you know, two hours of coffee, I, I can't do it. Cause I gotta be, I gotta get to the soul of and the heart of somebody right away. Cause otherwise what's the space, what's the point, right? Like it's funny. I, I was just having a conversation with a gal the other day and 
you know, I, I got a comment that I was, I'm not very approachable. I'm pretty aggressive or whatever, or something, you know, on the outside. And, and, uh, I asked her, I was like, am I intimidating? Am I, do I come off as aggressive? And she goes, no. And she's like, it's really funny. I think people are put off Pam because I'm, I'm like you, Lindsay, I reckon I, I reckon myself in you as far as saying, like, I like to get to right, right in there, like initially with people, because I don't know. I just, I, well, I hate small talk for one. Um, it's like nails on a chalkboard, but yeah, it's just, I think it's, it's intimidating to people when people are so authentic and real. And I'm like, gosh, that's, that's sad. You know, that we're just like, we can't be, we have to be fake and that's more comfortable for people to swallow than to just get in there, you know, and just be like, all right, here I am, you know? So Right. Yeah. And I used to be intimidated by my truth or who I really was or being able to say exactly how I felt about something. And now it's just, I am who I am. And I re- another friend of mine during, you know, this transition of my life had said something about, you won't be everybody's cup of tea, um, but you should be your own cup of tea. And I realized that like, awesome. so, so, so smart. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to be everybody's cup of tea. I want to be my cup of tea. Like I want to know that's that I'm being book. genuine. To yeah, that's your next book title. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to be, I want to, at the end of my day, I want to look at myself and know that I, that I was genuine and true to me because what relationship do we have for the rest of our lives? No matter who else comes in and out is are the relationship with ourself and the relationship with God. At the end of the day, those are that's, that's who you answer to is yourself and God. So, um, yeah, that was a powerful moment for me, um, as well realizing like, yeah, I'm not going to make everybody happy and I'll probably make some people uncomfortable along the way. And those people can just unfollow me and I'm okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. So all of this together, I mean, through doing, um, social media posts and through writing relentlessly on your computer when you needed to, just kind of ease whatever was going on inside it's transitioned into a book yeah so tell us a little bit about your book yeah it's just it's just our story it's Chris and I's story it's much more in depth it talks about when we met and how we met um it talks in detail about PTSD or what PTSD looked like um for us I don't claim to know what it looks like for everybody but our story and then just alcoholism um as well and how that affected us and then in in more in much more deep detail um you know what what I went through before during and after you know his suicide and kind of what's led me to um the space I'm in right now um and you know where we're where we're kind of going from from here so yeah it's kind of it's kind of open-ended because I really don't know um here but yeah it's just it's just my memoir um and in hopes that yeah anybody and every hopefully that people it's a resource for women there's not really anything out there for the young widow there's a lot for an older widow um but there's really nothing for I lost my husband at 33 so um pretty darn young to be a widow so um there's not a lot out there for a young widow um and so I, I'm really real and raw and I put it all out there. Um, I didn't, I literally put it all in there. There's not a secret of my life that is not in this book. So I really put my heart, I say all that all the time as it's, it's my heart on paper. 
So it's like if I could cut my heart open and share it with the world, it's, it's, it's this book. So I'm really excited about it. I'm nervous and a little scared too, but I know that, um, that God has a big plan for it. I wrote it in 22 days. So really? it happened quick. Yeah. I know <laughs> if somebody would have told me that that was possible, I'd been like, no, <laughs> but I did. That was like, yeah. It was good. yeah. So where are you in the process of that book? Like, yeah, do we have titles we're and- close to finishing. Yes. Yes. So it's called redefining grace. Uh, by, and then the subtitle is finding the strength to triumph after losing a spouse to PTSD suicide. So I wanted to make sure that, um, suicide was in the title because I think it's something that we we're afraid to talk about. And I just, I want to stop it. I want to stop being afraid of saying the word, like it comes out of my mouth so easily now. And I think people are like, what? Yeah. And it's like it's shocking to people, but I, I, I just don't want it to be shocking anymore. Like I want to make it a word that we can use and we can say um, because it's real and it's happening all the time. So um yeah, it should be. Um, my goal is to have it out um, in the first this first quarter here of 2019. So I'm on the tail end. I'm working on um, finalizing the book cover um, and getting getting it all formatted just right um, because I'm I'm a little bit picky about it, but I want it to be just right. So um, I'm on, definitely on the on the tail end here. So well, when that um, happens, it be- when that happens, we'll definitely like blow it up on yeah, social media on our end as well. Good. Well, thank you. Keep us us in the loop when we can't wait to read it. So here's two more people that want to read your book. Here's three. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I Yes, I will certainly let you know. Yeah. So we have, um, obviously, this is the Forever Gold podcast. And so our big concept is Forever Goals. And so we always ask everybody that's on our podcast, what forever goal means to you? And then what is a current forever goal that is nudging you right now? Yeah. Yeah. So when you asked me to do this and you were like, think about this, I was like forever goal, right? Like what kind of seems like an oxymoron to me because I'm huge into goals, like huge. I'm a goal oriented person. I'm always like, I've got my goals on, on paper all over my house. Like Right now, I've got a goal to read 15 books in 2019, and I've like knocked off four already. So I'm a goal person, right? Like, definitely. So, and I was like, I was Googling it. I'm like, okay, what does goal mean? Right. And every like definition was right. Right. So I was like, all right, Lindsay, you're going to have to meditate on this. And so I'm big into meditation. I'm big in like into listening to the Holy Spirit. So I sat down and I was like, I'm going to think about forever and what does that mean to me? So I sat down and God automatically brought me to my end of my life. And I was thinking, okay, great. Like, I love thinking about like my end of my life, that like thinking about death, right? Like, that's what I want to think about. But again, and I was sitting, so this is what he brought me to is I was sitting on my couch and I was snuggled up with my person with, you know, with, with the man that God has for me. I was, I was snuggled up next to him in my, in my, in my, my heated blanket with my cup of tea. And I was in this state of peaceful happiness and I was so content and I was looking back on my life and I was just peaceful and I was at rest and I longed for absolutely nothing. And I was sitting there next to the man that I love and I was thinking about how God had brought me to that moment and I had made a difference in somebody's life and I had loved well 
and I had taught my kids to do the same and I was peaceful and I was happy and I was content. And I was thinking, if that is not the end game is to just be in a state of peaceful content and happiness. And so all of my goals and all of the things I want to accomplish, um, I'm not there yet, (laughs) not even close, but I think that's the end game is to know that you've lived a life where you long for absolutely nothing and you are completely peaceful and completely content just being and so that's my forever goal. I don't know if that's, if that's anywhere near what you guys are looking for, but that's what God gave me. Um, and that's where I was at when I was thinking about it was each little goal that I have along the way, hopefully will lead to that moment of just complete peaceful happiness Yay. and complete. That nailed it. That is it. <laughs> that's it. I, I love hearing everybody's forever goal. It's so cool. It's just so neat and unique, but it's, you, it's just, you're in it. That's awesome. Yeah. And tell me one person, when you ask them their goal, who says to just be. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's not there. It's always chasing something. And Five pounds we or... think that's awesome. We think it's great to set all these little goals and just chase after them. Um, but in the end, to just be and to know, just like you yeah. said, you've loved well and you've done your job well. So I think that is so yeah, awesome. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, <laughs> I just thought, you know, I don't, I, I, there's so many goals and we, and we have so many and it's so great. And I, and I love goals. I have five-year goals. I have 10-year goals. I have all these goals that I want. Um, but I was just thinking at, at the end of the day, after all of the goals are accomplished and I've come to this place, I, I just want to be content. Yeah. Like that's the end game is like to just, and to know that like, if God took me tomorrow, he would wrap me up in his arms and say, welcome, good and faithful servant. Amen. You've earned it. Come on in. Like where I, you've, you've rest, like you have rested, like rest for the rest of your life. Right. Like you've <laughs> done hard work. Yeah. yeah. And you'll get to rest with me for the rest of your life. And so it is in the moments where I'm just resting that I feel the presence of God and that I feel the most, the feel the most content. And I feel the happiest when my phone is off and it's quiet and I'm just resting. It's so. That's awesome. Well, thank you again, Lindsay, for sharing your story. It is just, it's so awesome that you're willing to do that with us. And um, yeah, I feel honored. Yeah. We, we're just oh, well, thank you. That- You're my first podcast, so thanks for having yeah, me. <laughs> thanks for coming, and we will just, um, you know, hope that the story that you shared will reach all the ears that it needs to hear. So and hearts, so. yeah, all the hearts. And so, yes. yes, just thank you for your your realness and your grit and your grace that you give yourself every day. And yeah, thank your, you. Your next book will be "I'm My Own Cup of Tea." And maybe the next one after that will be just be, because I think those are like solid nuggets. Yeah. And this podcast is be your own cup of tea. Listen, listen, be open and and just be. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out or share your forever goal, you can find us on Instagram at myforevergoal or our website, myforevergoal.com.